Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of T1 Talks. This is a podcast where we aim to share our experiences living with type 1 diabetes to build a sense of community for diabetics. We want to dispel any myths about what it means to be type 1 and increase diabetic awareness through our stories. I'm Gianna, a type 1 diabetic of 14 years and a recent graduate of the College of New Jersey. And I'm Victoria. I'm a medical student from Saskatchewan, Canada, and I was just diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in March of this year. And before we move any further into today's episode, I just wanted to take a second and talk about my diversary, which was at the beginning of last month, December 6th. And although I've been saying in my intro for every episode that I've been a diabetic for 14 years, I actually did just hit 14 years and I thought it'd be something worth talking about on here. That's really incredible. And I do think that we all overestimate times. So it makes sense that you've been saying that for this whole year. But seriously, that's way more than half of your life now that you've had to worry about finger pokes and insulin pumps and injections and endo appointments and just everything that comes along, like carb counting, everything that comes along with type 1 diabetes. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. I think it'd be so interesting if I could pull out a list of how many needles I've taken, how many pump sites I've changed. The numbers would probably be insane. But anyway. Anyways, it's so weird to even be talking about this right now because this is something that I never thought I'd be celebrating ever in my life. I grew up feeling so much resentment towards my diabetes and I tried to ignore it most of the time and just focus on living my life. But I definitely lacked this understanding on how interconnected not taking care of my diabetes was with the rest of the issues going on in my life. So for example, me not testing my sugar all the time or me not caring about my insulin to carb ratio, not taking insulin, whatever it was, would affect my mood. It would affect my concentration in school. And in turn, it would affect my relationships with people and my relationship towards school. And there were so many parts of my life that I didn't realize it was affecting. Now I look back and I'm like, whoa, I could have saved myself so much trouble had I only put in the bare minimum to even care about this. But I was so burnt out to begin with that I didn't want to do that. Yeah, I really can't imagine trying to grow up with diabetes. Kudos to you for making it through on the other side and sort of having perspective. It's amazing. And obviously, we all have unique challenges as diabetics, but I don't think that it's unique to try to ignore our diabetes at times. I think that this is like the hallmark feature of what we're going to be talking about in today's episode, which is diabetic burnout. And I think that it is really just sort of underscored by this general feeling of complete sort of just not caring about what you're doing, just giving up and feeling like it's not worth your time or your energy, or you just don't have that to put into it. And it goes literally like maybe not even on the back burner, but just off completely. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't until this year that I decided to look back on my journey with diabetes and see how far I came because I was switching doctors and I got handed that giant pile of paperwork with all my doctor's notes over the years. And I just thought it'd be interesting to look back on when exactly I was diagnosed, those couple of years after, and what the doctors were seeing from an outside perspective. And I was diagnosed when I was nine. And by the time I got to middle school, which was two years later, I was struggling really, really badly. I gained an insane amount of weight. I was putting water on my test strips to lower my sugar so people wouldn't know how much I was struggling. I was putting water on my ketone strips instead of using my urine so I would test negative. I was hiding snacks in my closet because I was ashamed. It was just everything I was doing was 
terrible. And I remember there was even a point, I forgot about this until I saw the notes, but looking back, like it's coming back to me. There was a point where my endocrinologist office was telling me that they would have to refer me to a new office if I didn't at least try to do better because I was really doing nothing. Yeah, I guess two things. First, I'm sorry that that was your experience and that that's what you went through. It's really unfortunate from my perspective. And I really think that this is a common experience that will ring familiar to a lot of people. And I just really have to say that it's a failure on the doctor's not on you as the patient. Doctors don't have an easy job. We all know that. A big part of our job is giving advice and doing our best, I guess, to help people sort of see what we think is best, but that doesn't mean that we have any control over what our patients do. And so I think that doctor burnout is obviously different than diabetic burnout, but it's just as real. But when doctors are sort of burnt out, I think it's easy to blame the patient. It's easy to say like, oh, Gianna, like you just haven't learned how to manage your diabetes well. But the reality is that that would be my job as your doctor to teach you literally what I'm taught to do in medical school is to teach you and help you as best I can and then help problem solve when things aren't working. And just because you're not measuring up to what your doctor thinks you should be doing doesn't mean that you're not doing your best and doesn't mean that you're not doing decently. Anyways, please continue with your story. (laughs) Yeah, I should probably clarify. I don't blame my doctors because I think this was really a last ditch effort to get me to do something to save my own life. I think they were tired of telling me all of the complications that were going to come from what I was doing and me responding, not being phased by it, not really coming off as a person who cared about her well-being. And as a doctor, I'm sure you don't want to feel that responsibility and that weight on yourself if that makes any sense it totally makes sense it's so hard all around for sure like everybody struggles you struggle your doctors struggle it doesn't matter yeah honestly i felt like i didn't have one person in my life who understood what i was going through and i made so many mistakes all the time and i was so embarrassed of them that i couldn't talk about it with anyone because I felt like everyone else that i knew with diabetes which was maybe two people had it together And they were doing everything that I couldn't do. And I don't feel that way as much anymore. I do have weeks where I go back to that. But diabetes, I wouldn't consider it to be as consuming of a problem as it used to be for me. It's annoying and it's hard. But I 100% feel so much more capable and powerful. Whatever other adjective you want to throw in there today. And I actually enjoy going to the endocrinologist now. I get to go in and out, something I never did as a kid. I get to brag about my A1C. No, it's not perfect, but it's really good for me. I can just do more now. I can talk about my diabetes with people. I have this podcast about my diabetes. Like, what? I never thought I'd get to this point. And I just feel so much better now. I felt so crappy back then in ways that I didn't even know I was capable of controlling. And I don't know if anyone else cares about this or can relate to this but I just figured I'd talk about this because to me this is such a huge thing and I never thought I'd come this far it sounds like your typical cliche story but I am so proud that I've made it this far and that I was able to prove those doctors wrong and since today's episode is about diabetic burnout I just thought this would be super relevant because I was there and I was deep in it. That's why we're making today's episode is just to offer some tips for when you're feeling that way because it's something that's going to probably happen multiple times throughout your life with diabetes. 
but there are ways to make it just a, even a little bit easier. And I know it's so difficult to feel like you're going to overcome it. And honestly, in my scenario, I'm very lucky I had the resources I did because I can't imagine overcoming it without my Dexcom and having a continuous glucose monitor. Once I started wearing that, that's when I really started to feel like I had more control of my diabetes. So definitely want to recognize that I'm aware of how lucky I am to be able to use a continuous glucose monitor. I don't think I'd be where I am right now, and I don't think I'd be as happy or as healthy as I am right now if I just had a meter and test strips that did not work for me, and I don't know how I would have made it this far. I can't imagine any of this with just test strips and a meter. I recognize that there's a huge financial barrier to things, obviously, like insulin pumps and Dexcoms, and all I can do is just like advocate for why they're important. I know that like, there is a movement to have glucose monitors be, or like the continuous or like interstitial glucose monitors, the Libre and the Dexcom be more coverable in the States, at least. And in Canada, like we're working on it and it's working for kids but even still we have a ton of room to improve I think on the coverage for those things but I do think that it makes it so much easier to make proactive decisions whereas like I feel like when I'm checking my blood sugars with my fingers I'm always reacting as opposed to like when I look at my Dexcom I see a 4.1 and I see like a straight arrow down and I'm like oh crap I need to have a snack whereas if I was just checking my sugars I would see a 4.1 and I wouldn't know what to do with that a 4.1 is about a 72 just for anyone and America. Yeah, and with the Dexcom, I can't speak for any other continuous glucose monitor, but I'm able to use the Clarity app to see certain patterns that I wouldn't have noticed if I was just using a meter because I didn't write down my blood sugars all the time. I wasn't testing as much as the Dexcom does for me. And now I can go on the Clarity app, log in and see I'm having nighttime highs, daytime lows, whatever it is. And it offers me suggestions and tips for being able to handle those myself. And obviously you still have to consult a doctor, but it's just way easier for me to be able to go to my doctor with these patterns, see if those suggestions will work for me. And I don't know, I think it's really awesome, but it does break my heart because I know not everyone has the luxury of being able to use a continuous glucose monitor. Not everyone can afford a continuous glucose monitor. So it's just really sad to think about having to manage diabetes without something like this that takes so much of the work off of me and makes my life a lot easier. I hope one day in the future that there's something accessible and affordable to all diabetics because this is something we need to be able to manage our diabetes successfully in my opinion. Exactly. I think that's so important. Like I recently did a presentation. Okay, first of all, I got the comment that I or that myself and my partner, but I did like the diabetes part of it, obviously, because I love that, but that we understand the nuances of diabetic management. And I kind of giggled to myself, obviously, because it's like, I feel like I should understand that as a diabetic myself, which I hadn't told our are greater. We didn't have that discussion, obviously. So this was just like an offhanded discussion. But part of like our our assignment was to be a health advocate. And part of that is like advocating or like trying to help advocate for our patients to be healthier, right? So with diabetes, that means, you know, telling our patients, you know, have good blood pressure control, whatever. To me, as a diabetic, it means like my doctor's advocating for coverage 
of things like continuous glucose monitors, right? So like that was a huge part of our presentation where I actually said, like, here's the data behind this. Things like Dexcoms lower people's A1Cs. And if we can do that when people are young, like you, Gianna, I know you feel old, but you're not. If we can do that for people like you, then we we sort of avoid all these long-term outcomes that are actually super expensive. And in Canada, we pay for everyone's healthcare. So we're paying for those long-term consequences. And in the States, you guys do too. It's just different. But in Canada, we definitely do. It's easy to say that. That actually reminds me that my endocrinologist at my last appointment asked about my insulin for all shirt that I was wearing and so did the people working in her office and it just started an interesting conversation and I just really appreciate when my doctors care about what I'm paying because I'm sure as a doctor it's uncomfortable to have to have that conversation with someone like hey you need this to survive I know it's going to cost you an arm and a leg but this is what you need. I was really happy they asked about it though. Yeah and they should be great. I'm glad that they were anyways. So for me, like I know it was your diversary recently, and I'll be coming up on my one year of that diabetic workshop where I had my first high sugar reading that was sort of like just blew my life out of the water. I personally think of that as like my diabetic initiation, but not my diagnosis, because like I don't think about my diagnosis until I started on insulin, which was later. But anyways, and like actually was told I was type one because at first there was confusion. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That was at the end of January of 2020. And so if you can imagine this past year, I've seen myself personally grow so much, obviously, and just really proud of how far I've come given everything that I've faced this year. But even with everything and like how well I've done and how proud I am of myself, like it still really sucks a lot of the time. Being diabetic sucks, but also life sucks. So like I've had a terrible week or two. It was really, really bad. (laughs) So I was tested for COVID-19 because I had a sore throat and a runny nose. And I never really thought that I had COVID, but I have to be tested because obviously I'm in the hospital all the time and I'm not going to be the one who brings COVID around. But after that, I never heard back from my results. And this was like three weeks ago. And I just never heard back. So I phoned a bunch of times and I finally got it sorted out after three weeks. But I was stuck in self-isolation for that whole time. And on top of that, because I was stuck at home and also like school was done, I was stuck in self-isolation for the past few weeks. And on top of this, like because I have this sense of civic duty mixed with masochism, I've been working over the Christmas break, working with like contact COVID stuff, COVID contact tracing stuff, and working with the health authority. So I'm basically just working from home all day, most of the time. And I've been phoning people a lot. And my destiny is not in call work. Like I hate phoning people. I hate cold calling people. I hate asking like, hey, can I talk to this person? It's awful. So I'm really glad that I'm not doing that forever. I'm glad that I'm going to be a doctor. (laughs) But like, I've been working really outside of my wheelhouse over Christmas break. And so like, that's been really hard hard for me. And it's also been really hard being so close to COVID stuff, because even though it's not terrible here, it is overwhelming our healthcare system. We're a small province with a small population and our ICUs are full. We're using extra beds. Like it's not a great scene. I think that just like experiencing COVID through this year has been affecting everybody to varying degrees. And I would say for us, it's been a minimal F. Like I still get to work all the time and do whatever, but I just sort of get to see people suffering from this a lot. So since this is a burnout episode, I just felt like we had to talk about the fact that COVID adds stress and pain and isolation and everything like that to our lives that 
compounds burnout that comes from diabetes. And so it's silly not to think about those things together. And definitely like over this past few weeks, when I've been dealing with all of this work stuff, it's taken a huge toll on my diabetic management. And so like I was telling Gianna earlier, I've been running into a ton of lows, uh, partly because I've not been eating enough and partly because my basil is still too high. Even though like spoiler alert, I did change it once. It still just isn't enough. And I've been running into the same problem that I do often where it's just like, I don't care enough to change and try and manage better. I'm just snacking on crappy junk food, dealing with my basil that's too high and just trying to keep my sugars up all day. On top of that, I waited too long to order my last Dexcom. And so thankfully, I have a friend in town who's also type 1 diabetic on a Dexcom. And she had a spare. But I really pushed that to the limit where I might have had to wait like an extra day, which would have been a lot for me because I don't finger prick ever. On top of that, I've also just been neglecting my insertion site sometimes past the amount of times I should. And I feel like Gianna, you know how hard it was to get me to record this episode. Like I've just been trying so hard, obviously to get it done. And it just hasn't happened until today. So yay for us, but it's hard. I, I think that it's good anyway to have the timing of this episode because I feel like I'm definitely dealing with burnout right now. But I also think it's important to mention that burnout has degrees and I'm not in full burnout at all. So like I'm still managing okay. It's just not my idea of what's perfect, which is like I have high standards and I recognize that. So it's okay. But I just feel like I'm pushing limits that I usually don't because I'm so exhausted from everything, from life and from diabetes and from everything. And I just want to go back to normal in terms of our lives so that like I can go out for dinner or, you know, think about joining a gym or do those things that we would normally do this time of year. But obviously that's not the case. It's not the case with diabetes. It's not the case with COVID. So we just have to make the changes that we can to improve how we're managing at the time so that we don't get into full-blown burnout and I think it's just important for me to remember and also for you listeners out there but like burnout isn't your fault exactly and I think it's worth noting that this is something that probably everyone I would say experiences at some point or multiple points in their life and it's not just one type of person that fits into the burnout box this is something that anyone can experience whether you're someone like Victoria who I personally think is the human embodiment of someone who has it all together she's very much doing everything she can at all times and then there was someone like me who was experiencing it in the beginning of my diabetic journey when I really wasn't putting in so much effort into my diabetes. So there's a million different types of people that can experience this. It's not so black and white. And I will always say that like, (laughs) if I'm the example you need, that's great. I love it. But seriously, this is hard no matter what. And it's so true. (laughs) One more thing that I wanted to backtrack to real quick that you were saying before is for lack of better words, diabetes interrupting our recordings. And this is something that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast before. But if you've been following us since the beginning, obviously, our episodes have been less consistent recently. And a big reason for that is the fact that It's really challenging to find days to record with two type 1 diabetics. One of us always seems to be high or low or just exhausted from a day of ups and downs. And then throw in the fact that we both work so much and live in different countries. It can be really difficult and we don't get many days where we can sit down and both record together. And I guess I can only speak for myself, but every time I have to say no to a recording or something of equal importance because of my sugars, it really sucks and it will set me into that self-blame cycle where I feel like 
wow, you really can't just push through and do this. And that can be really toxic for your mental well-being because of the self-blame and also your physical well-being because you're not addressing your blood sugars right away. And that can be dangerous. So I'm really lucky I have Victoria because she is helping me learn to prioritize my health. It also just benefits me in the long run because not only do I feel better when I'm taking care of my sugars first and foremost, but I also am able to come on the podcast like this when I feel happy and when I'm excited about it rather than say I'm fine and feel exhausted and like I just want to crawl into bed. It's way more important to just take care of yourself first. Totally. And I think that that's always been something that you and I have been really good at is sort of establishing those boundaries and accepting the fact that like when we're doing this podcast on a chronic illness, we can't be pushing ourselves or each other beyond where we're feeling good because it's like what's the point in that like the whole point of this is to be talking about something that's real and I think that we have to be in a in a decent place to do that and like I know after working these past few days I just haven't been in a place where I want to (laughs) it's like no I just hate everything (laughs) let me go to sleep exactly okay so now that we're done with our super long tangent Let's get into the tips. So to start us off, this tip has probably been the most beneficial for me, and it's one that I've applied to my life in multiple areas, and that's just not feeling a need to fix it all at once and taking that first next step. So I've never met a perfect diabetic. I've never met someone who sits in range 100% of the time, and it can be so overwhelming to feel this need to carb count perfectly, test five times a day, develop a healthy diet master your basal rate, whatever that long list of goals that's tied to diabetes is full of. And being able to just work on one little thing, taking those goals, breaking them down to something as small as carb count, one meal a week, find a goal that's achievable for you. And once you can start counting those small little wins, it might be able to help motivate you to get to that next one. Giving yourself all of those goals at once or taking on the pressure of all those goals at once is an easy way to feel like you're not doing enough or that you're failing. And that's really what leads to burnout more than anything. Totally. Like, I know for me, naturally, I want to be perfect at everything right now. But that's not reality. And that's not real life. And I think that even just breaking things down and thinking, okay, like, I want to get my basal rate figured out, I want to have a healthy diet, I want to exercise, I want to do all of these things, even just one of those things can feel overwhelming in and of itself, right? Like, okay, I want to learn how to carb count. It's like, well, that's a big thing to do too. So like, what I find is helpful for my brain, because I just focus on all the things I want to do. And I'm a procrastinator. So that goes to bad places because I never get anything done. So I actually write things out in a list. And then I can sort of prioritize where I want to start. And then I can also break things down based on like, you know, so I want to adjust my basal rate. It's like, okay, well, how do I do that? So I have to figure that out. And I just think it helps a lot when you write things down because it reminds you that you're not forgetting or ignoring anything that's important. You have everything there, but you're just sort of respecting the fact that you're just one person and you're treating it more like a job, which is like your boss wouldn't expect you to get everything done in one day. They would expect you to sort of work on it bit by bit throughout the year or whatever. Anyway, so that's how I try to take it. I definitely feel the urge to fix everything at once and be perfect, but also try to find joy in the fact that when I'm not perfect, it means I can learn more and I love learning. So 
I'll just keep telling myself that. Yeah, taking on everything at once can just dig you into a deep hole. So find something that works for you. I know for Victoria, she just said she does a list. For me, I find it easiest to have people that help keep me accountable and help support and motivate me. So for example, at work right now, that's probably the biggest one. I've never been able to communicate when my sugars are low or high and I need to step off the floor. But this year was the first year that I decided to tell myself, hey, if you hit this number, you need to tell someone or hey, once you feel this symptom, you need to tell someone. And I've been doing that and their positive responses have been motivating me to be more and more proactive about it and give myself the time I need before I come back out on the floor, which is putting myself in such a safer position. And and it just feels really good. Completely. We all have our own ways of doing things. And like, I think that all that matters is that you're able to track small progress through a goal. I'm so proud of you, Gianna. Like, I think you're doing so good communicating and just talking to people about things when you need them. And that's so important. Again, like those boundaries are priceless. Another thing that I think helps with both avoiding burnout and dealing with burnout when it happens, finding people who normalize you having a chronic condition. I have to add the caveat that normalization or like normalizing something doesn't mean being positive about it all the time. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to complain about things that are bothering you. It doesn't mean that somebody has to be cheering you on 100%. It just means that people accept that there's good and bad times and that just like anyone else, we have to look after our health first. I often think about the example of like how rude it is to wake someone up when they're sleeping in in the morning. And like, I mean, sleeping in, you just don't do that unless you have a good reason to. And that's sort of how I feel when someone tells me like I shouldn't be looking after or makes me feel, I guess, like I shouldn't be looking after my diabetes and myself. It's like you're sleeping in like a little less sleep won't kill you and we still don't wake you up. But like my diabetes might kill you. So don't give me crap for looking after myself. Anyway, find people who are good to you. Yes. Oh my gosh. I remember how isolated I felt for a long time and there's always people that are going to stare at you when you inject your insulin or say ew when you prick your finger and they have to see blood. But I don't think people realize that this is something that we don't necessarily have to be comfortable with or want to do, but it's something that we have to adjust our lives to. When I first got diabetes, I was terrified of needles, but I wasn't given the option for anything else. That was what I had to learn. That was the life that I had to adapt to. And even though you're uncomfortable watching someone inject themselves with a needle for whatever reason, then I'm sorry, but this is something we have to do multiple times a day. And sometimes we have to do it in front of people. Sometimes we want to do it in front of people. I mean, I just have zero patience for people who make people feel ashamed of their conditions. Don't think you deserve people like that in your life. I think you can find other diabetics or people with chronic conditions who understand. You do not need to surround yourself with people who don't at the very least make an effort to normalize those things. And you're so nice by being like, sorry, people who, you know, feel that way about us injecting or pricking our finger or doing whatever. But I am not as polite as you and I will say sorry, not sorry. It just shocks me that people think that this is something we're doing for fun. Like we're not struggling with this condition. You're really going to tell me to go walk to the bathroom to inject myself with a needle because it makes you uncomfortable and is an inconvenience for you? It's offensive. Yeah, and if someone wants to be private about it, let them be private about it. If they don't, they don't. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) 
Yeah, and honestly, I would say the easiest way to find other diabetics that you can connect and relate to would be to get involved with the online community we're always talking about. I think for me in the beginning, it was a bit much. I found myself comparing my numbers to other people and feeling like I wasn't doing as much, but there are so many different niches in this community. You can find diabetic memes. You can find people who are constantly troubleshooting. You can find people who are advocating. There are so many different areas that you're bound to find someone that you can make a connection with. And it's also also just a place where you can vent or ask for help. If you can't afford your supplies, there's people who will help you with that. It's basically just one big giant spot where all type ones can unite and problem solve together. Totally. Obviously, we mention this in every episode, although I don't remember mentioning it in our last episode. I'm not sure that that's possible, but maybe. It is so important to have a community, have people that you can talk to. And I feel like we are so privileged to have an amazing means of connecting with other type one diabetics through Instagram. Like I feel like I learned so much from people on Instagram or on Facebook, just like living their lives. I love seeing kids thrive with type one. I love watching other doctors working with type one and like kicking butt right now during the pandemic. It's just fantastic. I love watching like moms with their kids or people who are pregnant or just anyone doing anything like it just makes me feel like I'm not alone and I have people who I can look up to and also know like especially with the podcast and with my own page like just know that other people might be looking up to me and it's really an amazing thing and I think again like this is a burnout episode and now we're sort of talking about ways to prevent it and I do think that it's really helpful to remember we talk about it a lot medicine is your why it's like why are you here why are you doing what you're doing and so to just remember like it's about your health and it's about your future and all of those things it's so important I obviously reflect a lot on the past when it comes to my diabetes or progress in life in general. And I think that this online community was something that was so transformative for me. And it was also really helpful when I wasn't super public about my diabetes. So I was able to find people that I could talk to online. No one had to know who I was in real life. I was able to keep those two things separate. And then I obviously made the decision to not do that anymore. It's really nice that the option's there if you want to do it. And it also just is a great way to meet other diabetics because a lot of the times you can't see someone's devices on the outside. So how is that conversation going to start? I would completely agree with that. Obviously, you and I have found a huge huge benefit from the online community in terms of just support and finding somebody who you can like chat with and and bounce ideas off of and just complain to when things go bad, send a screenshot of your angry Dexcom, whatever it is. So another thing that I really find helpful when I'm dealing with burnout is journaling. And this is something that I can do even if I'm like mid burnout in the middle of it, just hating everything, doing nothing. I can just sit down and I can take an empty page and just write anything. I find it extremely therapeutic when I'm feeling overwhelmed and this goes across like school as well as work as well as diabetes it doesn't matter you can write out anything it doesn't matter you can tear it up you can burn it like it's not permanent and so you can just write out your fears your insecurities or whatever and then often as I'm writing it's like I'm thinking about it and I'm like oh it's not as bad as you actually think it is and so I can sort of work through some of the thoughts and sort of bring them down to size and for me I really love being able to look through myself working through all the problems that I've had through my life and sort of see how I've managed and then I also obviously journal or like this podcast is great 
great, like anything just to record experiences, because I think that it's important to sort of just remember things and share them with others. I think those are both really important. Yeah, I'm super big on looking back on your past and acknowledging how far you've come. If you follow me on any social media, I'm sure you've seen that all I post is throwback posts because I just find it so interesting that I had no idea where I'd be right now. And this tip was actually one that was suggested to us by one of our followers on Instagram. So thank you, Nicole Whittaker. Hopefully I'm saying your name right. This was one of those things that I just never really associated directly with diabetic burnout because when I've been journaling it's never really been about diabetic progress it's just happened to come up here or there but I've also found it to be very therapeutic and I definitely think it could help with tracking progress so I think this is a really good one I'm sure I could find a diary entry from when I was younger that says something like I hate diabetes diabetes ruined my life Aww. I feel like I sound like I'm making fun of it a little I promise I'm not that was how I was actually feeling at the time but it wasn't until I really sat down and looked over these doctor notes recently that I realized it was just really nice to see how much I've improved since those appointments and to look back and think like, there's that cliche moment again, but I didn't think it was going to get better. And it did. And I'm very lucky for that. So it's nice to have it documented and to see that I was able to do that. It is so cool. And I think that you, like you hit the nail on the head, right? You journal so that when you have perspective later, you can look back and realize how far you've come. And I think that instead of being afraid of those memories, you should think about them as just being, again, a point in time where you were struggling through different things and you didn't know where you were going to end up. It's like thinking back on even 15-year-old Vicky didn't know that she was going to end up in medical school doing what she's doing. Just like I didn't know that I was going to end up being diabetic. You never know what's going to happen in the future. So looking back on your naivety and innocence, I think is therapeutic in and of itself. I used to write a lot as a kid. And like one of my favorite things was going back and reading what I'd written, just to see sort of what I was thinking in those moments and thinking back and like how I would deal with things differently now. Yeah, I think something tangible like that in front of you, something that you can't deny will help you address things faster and will help you pull out patterns faster for sure. Definitely. I think we have to give another shout out to Nicole because she suggested another one that I think that we do, but we don't think about bringing up in our podcast. And that's just like making time for things that you enjoy when you do need a break and doing that in a guilt-free way. Yeah. So something that I've been doing, especially since the pandemic, has been calling people I've always loved talking to people on the phone, but in relation to my diabetes, I found that during that waiting period when I'm trying to get my sugar down or waiting for it to come up from a low, I need something to do to get the time to go by faster and to not just sit there thinking about it. And calling people on the phone has really helped, especially when I can tell them what's going on and just let them talk and just sit there and listen. And it's just a nice distraction. I'll also try to read a book or watch YouTube videos, something that will help me pass through that time faster, just doing things I enjoy. It'll make it just a little bit easier. And then it's also nice to have something to look forward to if you're on a bad sugar streak, if you want to schedule something fun at the end of that week. It might even motivate you to say, hey, let me really, really do everything I can in my power to make sure that I can go to this one thing. 
and feel okay while I'm there. A hundred percent. I do that with walks all the time. It's like if my sugars are too low, I can't go. So I have to make sure that they're perfect or a little high. So it definitely gives you that motivation to sort of keep things organized. I would agree. For me, since being on self-isolation, I've needed to find lots of things to enjoy because I've been on a forced break. So you know me, I can't sit still, obviously. So I bought and built the Lego White House and the Lego Saturn IV, which were both so fun. I have to say I loved them. That does sound fun. Right? Anyway, Lego's great. It's a good adult thing to do. Don't worry about it. I also finished one adult paint by number and have another one on the go, which I can't say anything about because my friend maybe listens to the podcast. But like I find having these activities and just things to do and like even the Lego stuff is great because I can take it apart and rebuild it. It just gives me something to do a bit of a distraction just like you were saying Tiana like when your sugars are high or low or even like for me when I'm just stressed out or anxious and then something else that I do I can't build Lego I can't paint I can't do anything when my sugars are really low or really high and then I really lean on like spending time with Carlin or like snuggling the doggos just to like feel a little bit better when I'm feeling yucky. Yeah, I feel like surrounding yourself with good people really helps. And maybe this is a lesson for people without diabetes. But if you could just be there and hang around those people while they're waiting for their sugars to adjust, it can go such a long way. Oh, totally. Like those highs or those lows where you just need someone to be around or someone to tell you like, you know, don't go off by yourself or, you know, stay and talk to me or whatever you need to hear in those moments. Like it's really nice. And again, just going back to like having accepting people in your life is so important. Definitely. And so with that, I think that those are all of our tips for today. I hope that you found something that helps you when you're facing burnout or approaching burnout. As usual, we're going to end off with our goals. However, we're sort of, we've been talking about it. And since our episodes aren't really weekly anymore, given the frequency of our podcast, we're going to rename our weekly goals to be episode goals. So hopefully by making them episode goals, it'll give us a bit more time so we can make some bigger goals and also just make more progress towards each goal every episode. So we'll just sort of reframe things. And so I think with that, Gianna, I'll ask, how did your goal go? So for anyone who may have missed our last episode or just doesn't remember our goals, mine was to try to get more sleep at night. And I would say I definitely achieved this. I have been getting more sleep since the last episode, but I'm not exactly where I want to be. And I found that a lot of what's keeping me up at night is tied to my phone. So I do sleep next to my phone, something that I wouldn't recommend, but also something that you kind of have to do if you're on a Dexcom. But once I hear my phone vibrate and like a notification goes off, I'll open that notification and then I'll get caught in this cycle of this app has a notification and this app I have to answer this person and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden I look up and it's 3 a.m. So I've tried using Do Not Disturb. It didn't really help me out because I just shut it off right away. So I'm working on it. It's definitely something that I'd like to improve on. I'd like to just spend less time on my phone in general, but for some reason I found that to be very difficult. So I'll probably keep you guys updated in future episodes of this. Yay for sleeping more. I'm proud of you for that. And also I think that you should check out the new Apple feature for like sleep. I think that there's like something where it judges you when you're awake at night and it might help you because it like doesn't let you open apps and stuff. It's not just do not disturb. Anyway, you should check it out. I'll message you about it. That sounds like Snarky Bob, so I will definitely check that out. Apparently, I need that kind of judgment to motivate me. (laughs) Love it. 
All right. So how about you? How did your goal go with improving your basal rate? It was good. Obviously, like I said earlier in the episode, but my goal was to adjust my basal dose. And I did, I think twice even, but I definitely still have more work to do because I'm still going low a lot of the time pretty predictably. So like it's things that I can change. And so this time my goal is going to be to expand on sort of this and to keep changing my basal dose in small increments, but also go back to tracking everything. So go back to tracking like how many carbs I'm eating, what I'm eating, what time, and then how much insulin I'm taking. And just for like a week, I think I'll try to go for like seven days, maybe not in a week, but seven days total. And I just am hoping that this will help me organize things a bit more, feel like I have more control over things and I'm making more informed decisions instead of just trying to drop things down. I think that's going to be challenging for sure to keep track of all those different things. Takes me back to those first couple years again, but... I have no doubts that you of all people can do this. And it's so important, like I always say, to get those patterns down and out in the beginning and start those habits early. Yeah, they are so important and it's worth it, right? Like it is an investment in your time and effort, but I think it's worth it. And it's good to just pick a short amount of time, I think, like not do it forever, but just like for seven days and figure out what's happening. So yeah, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a lot, especially because I'm going back to work after Christmas, but it'll be good. Anyways, what is your goal for this episode, Gianna? So I kind of already started mine already, but I haven't hit it yet. I'm trying to get my Dexcom in range at least 60% of the time. 70, I think, is the ultimate goal, but I'm not there yet. I've hit 59% a couple times recently, and every time, for some reason, the next day, I end up being out of range for the majority of the day. So I don't know what it is, but... I really, really want to get to 60. I've been in the 50s for a while now, which is awesome for me. So I just have to get a little bit further. Yes, 60% is great. I believe in you. I think you'll do it. I really hope so. So again, in exciting news to end our episode, stay tuned to our at T1Talks on Insta. I'm going to be getting the new COVID vaccine sometime in January. I jumped on the opportunity when it was offered to me, both so that I could offer myself protection since the thought of getting COVID with diabetes is pretty terrifying for me, and also to offer protection to my patients who I see since I'm working in the emergency room and with pregnant moms and babies in the next few months, it's important to protect everyone around me as well as myself. So I'm really excited for that and stay tuned for more information about the vaccine and also just my experience with it on our Insta. Yes, I am so happy you're getting it and I hope I'll be able to get it too in the near future. Besides that, we're also having a sticker giveaway this week on our Instagram. So keep an eye out for that if you want some free stickers. Until next time.